All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic that the listener was interested in and they sent it to us by visiting our website techgumbo.net and the question this week is, are electric cars really better for the environment? This is a, it's a great question. Electric cars are a cool new technology that's on the horizon, and there's the promise that they are going to be better for the environment, but it's important investigating that to make sure that they are going to do what they say they're going to do. And because there are a lot of memes and myths going, out, going around out there, and so turns out the simple answer is, yeah, they, they, they are better for the environment. So we found an article which did some math, and they started out and said, okay, let's assume the worst case scenario for electric vehicles and compare that, because if the worst case for electric vehicles is still better than a standard internal combustion engine, then the best case for electric vehicle would be much better. If you're in the, the very northern part of the country up in the rust belt where they use a lot of coal-fired power plants and it's very very cold and it's very tough on on your engine you're going to emit fewer grams total of carbon than you would from a gasoline powered car when you take in all everything how much uh, co2 the the power plants put out versus how much the gasoline engine puts out all of those things combined yes it's still better in an electric car. That is pretty cool to hear that once your power source is centralized and you can start to say, all right, well, you know, it's much easier to replace one coal-fired power plant with a cleaner version of energy than it is to reduce all of the other internal combustion engines. And so if you live somewhere that has a nuclear plant or that uses wind or that uses solar, then your carbon emission is going to be zero. So there are some hidden environmental costs to EVs, electronic vehicles. What are some of those hidden environmental costs? Right. That's a good point that we said that electric vehicles are going to be better, but there's a big range. They could be a little bit better or they could be a lot better. And so the first one is, as we were talking about the source of the power. If you're somewhere that, you know, you are using that coal plant, then, you know, you're not going to be as clean, but that's, that's tough because that's outside of your control. 
you can't call up the power plant and said, hey, could you guys use the, the clean source for me as opposed to that dirty source? You're just kind of wherever you live, you get that power. So then you have to hope that at some point they're cleaning up, doing as much they can to re- reduce the emissions at the power plant so that it is better for the environment. But then you have other things like time of day actually impacts when you're charging your vehicle, depending upon where you are. Right. There are some cities that actually have different sources for different times of day. The Chicago, Philadelphia, and D.C. use coal plants at night because there's cheaper, because there's less draw on them. And so we right now, whenever we think about electric vehicle charging, a lot of times we're encouraging people to charge in those nighttime hours because you're competing with less people for that power. But if you're competing with less people, but it's dirty electricity, then you get in this weird kind of calculation of, well, the cost per is less, but the source is worse. And so, you know, it does, it's not as purely straightforward as it would like it to be. So the next factor is where are you actually located? As we talked about in that first portion, the environment has a huge role to play because if you're in a very cold area, then your battery is going to be less efficient at generating power, in some cases up to a lot more inefficient. And so if if you're in Wisconsin and it's the frozen tundra of Green Bay, that does make a difference. Lithium ion batteries don't like to be frozen solid. They they like room temperature. They like, you know, they're they're okay with the cold, but they don't like frozen cold. And conversely, they don't like 140 degree heat either. They want to be in that that 35 to to 95 degrees. If they can stay in that, then they'll they'll work just fine. Unlike with a gasoline-powered or diesel engine, it can operate efficiently in the frozen tundra of the Green Bay or out in the, the, the southwest desert. And, and so, yeah, it does make a difference. The next one is another factor that's, again, really tough to control at the individual level, and that's the battery manufacturing process. And that a lot of the metals that go into the process come from questionable sources sometimes it can really depend upon how they're mined this lithium ion process that's necessary to produce the power that lithium is a rare earth metal and we have to be really thoughtful about how we're pulling it out of the ground and from where we're pulling out of the ground because we don't want to end up in another scenario wherever it's controlled by a country who we really don't like, but we have to make nice for them because they control the power. As it turns out, the vast majority of the lithium in the world comes from China. And they have no problem doing strip mines and big, humongous pits that where they're digging out these lithium, all this lithium metal to, to create the lithium-ion batteries. And yes, there are tons of pictures floating around on the internet, and you can see all of, all of the the environmental damage that these things are are creating by by doing the mining for these rare earth batteries. And so it's 
very much one of the things that the electric vehicle companies need to be aware of. They need to be out in front of that. There's a way to do this that reduces harm. And there's a way to do this, which is insensitive to that. And so there are trade-offs involved here and the trade-offs that we in America might make or we in the West might make, but China's going to make its own decisions and that's out of our control. And, and, you know, to be fair, there are some manufacturers like Volkswagen, they're trying to develop you know, batteries that are recyclable, where you can reuse 90% of the, of the component of the, of the metals in that battery to create new batteries. Now, that's not operational yet. It's still a technology they're working on, but they are working on it to overcome those gigantic pits that, that you see so much of. The last factor was actually really interesting because this is the type of thing that I would study. And it's what is the impact on driver behavior, especially right now? If a gallon of gas is costing you $4, whereas when you think about how many miles the gallon per get and you think about what the tank of gas costs you, well, if to fill up your EV it costs you a buck twenty-five, well, then all of a sudden, you know, maybe you're less concerned about taking that Sunday drive. And so are you actually spending more miles on the road because you know that your cost to travel is so much less? Maybe people end up driving more. And so do we see some overcorrection on the other side? This would be really interesting to study. And exactly. it's And it's not just going for that Sunday drive, but driving to the office or driving around for work. And if you're not doing those driving things because the gasoline is four, five, six, seven dollars a gallon in some places in the country right now. So the driving goes down. We're burning a lot less gas. Well, that electric car, like you said, you know, cost you a dollar, two dollars, whatever to fill it up versus a hundred dollars worth of gasoline. Boy, you can go zipping all over the place and just keep recharging, just keep recharging on your electric vehicle. So that's a an interesting complication and it's something that we need to be aware of and these are the this those types of things which are out of the front of your mind and you really have to be studying it and how to be in the industry to understand it and so this is a it's a cool problem that hopefully my colleagues are working to solve and hopefully they have some cool solutions for it so the answer is are they really green and and the answer is overwhelmingly yes but not 100% yes. It's good, getting better, with a ways to go. Absolutely. So thank you for sending that question. It's a great question. And now you're going to get that Tech Gumbo mug that we're going to send out to you. Thank you for, for sending in that question. We wanted to kind of stay along with the theme of electric vehicles. And the Biden administration has they're preparing to give a whole lot of money to the states to develop electronic vehicle chargers in, in places like the Shell gasoline station, 13,000 Shell stations around the country. Shell wants to invest money to make those places EV charging stations. So a lot of this money comes out of the infrastructure bill that uh, got passed back in 2021. There was a lot of money set aside to help push forward the electric vehicle charging station network because while people are starting to buy more electric vehicles we don't quite have the charging station infrastructure in place to support everything that we would want yet 
And so you could really see this being kind of a bottleneck place. And so the White House is really trying to say, what can it do in order to spur that development in order to get people to go out and build that infrastructure? And so this is something that you're going to see coming soon is that right now electric vehicle charging stations are kind of rare, but over the next two to five years, you're going to start to see them more often. We did a story about a year ago where Germany was investing big time. They've made a law so that any new gas station had to have electric vehicle charging stations, and they were giving huge tax credits to any current gasoline station that also added electronic vehicle charging stations. It kind of makes sense why you would do that. I mean, you're going to have more and more cars that are EV, and so you're going to have more people riding around in these cars. They're going to need a place to charge. Why not set up a place that you can wheel your car in, stick it on the charger? Now you've got a customer there for about a half an hour while it charges. Maybe you open a coffee shop. We've had this conversation before. I think that really is what what you're going to see is that people think a little differently about what your refueling station looks like. And so you're going to have them at grocery stores because, you know, you go into Walmart and you spend 20, 30 minutes walking around Walmart. And when you come out, okay, your car is now recharged as opposed to you go in and you get a candy bar and you get a soft drink from the Circle K. Well, that's maybe five to 10 minutes, and that's really not enough time yet. You know, there is the technology. They are working to bring down that recharging time. But right now, that 30 minutes is much more of a realistic number. And so where can we put charging stations where people are already spending 30 minutes of their time? And so that's just a, a much more synergistic way to approach this problem. Because it's also going to matter when you're going on family vacation and you've got the, the the family roadster that is an electronic vehicle and you're cruising along and you've got about a 300 mile range. Well, that's going to take you that five hours or so to go your 300 miles. And then you're going to have to pull over and spend about a half hour somewhere charging your vehicle. Okay, family, let's all get out, stretch your legs, go have some dinner while the car is charging. Now this charged. Now let's, we can drive on the next 300 miles. Yeah, that's exactly it, is that you have to, you know, near restaurants or things like that, that's again, you know, you could have, be right off the highway. It could be, you know, that first gaggle of fast food chains that you see at the exit of every interstate, put a charging station there because people are already, you know, you walk inside and you spend 10 to 15, 20 minutes, that's, you're going to get most of your charge back there. And so... It really is just going to be thinking a little differently about instead of that three to five minutes of you standing there with the gasoline flowing into the tank, you know, you park your car, you'll plug it in, you'll walk away. So this is going to be on a state by state basis. I'm proud to say that Louisiana jumped out there in the, in the most recent legislative session and they passed a bill that's going to make it very, very encouraging or, or very possible for businesses who to want to create charging stations good for louisiana jumping out there trying to take some leadership but it's other states as well i mean every other state in the country is doing this yeah and i think this is whenever the government is doing its job right whenever the government is not mandating that you build things whenever the government is not building it the thing itself 
It's saying, hey, we're going to provide incentives. You, private industry, come take this incentive to go do this thing. I think this is whenever you see all the different pieces working together in the right way, because this is something that the consumers want, but the private industry might say, well, we're not quite ready to take this risk. Maybe we don't quite have all the capital to invest ourselves, but the government fronts a little bit of the money, and now all the things come together in the right way, and the world improves. So much better to have the carrot instead of the stick being the reason why you're you're making these choices. I would much rather have the tax credits and and let me as my business decide to go out and do this. And, and like you said, instead of having a mandate, oh, the government says you've got to do this now. Oh, great, but, but it's going to be all on my nickel. I have to make all the investment myself. I don't get any benefits. Well, this is great. Okay, as a business, I can, I'm getting benefits. I'm getting some credit from the, from the government, so my taxes will be reduced a little bit. But now I can also improve my business so more customers will come in. This is a total win-win. Oh, absolutely. Across the board, we like this move. This is this is a well-thought-out policy in this space, and we really hope that this is the kind of thinking that they're able to continue and to extend and to bring to other areas because electric vehicles are the future, and it, it's going to be a huge shift. And in order to have that change happen smoothly, we need a lot of different parties coming together, working together, and operating in this fashion. And if you think that it's just going to be the family sedan that's going to be the electric vehicle, I got news for you. The Ford F-150 Lightning is an all-electric vehicle. These things are very fast and very, very powerful. They're more powerful than the diesel trucks that you see people riding around. They're also a lot more expensive, but that number will come down over time. And a cool thing that they're doing at Ford, they're putting in cables with adapters. So if you have this Ford F-150 Lightning, you could pull up with the adapter and you could charge your buddy's Tesla. The larger feature here of being able to use your electric vehicle as a store of charge, that you could charge your buddy's Tesla or you could run a lot of different electric things off of this. I think that's a really neat idea. I would prefer to have the charging port so I could pull up to any charging station and be able to put any charging stations pump into my car. More of a novelty, the fact that I can haha like point at my buddy's Tesla. We don't have one standard head for the charging ports yet. If you could have that as part of your truck, that's pretty cool. But I think that yeah, you pointed out that can use this as a store of charge and I think that's a really neat feature. One would hope the IEEE would jump out with a standard, come out with this. The here it is. This is the one standard in the U.S. Like we have now with the 110. What the same way that they have in Europe, at different countries have their own unique electrical outlet. Okay, in whatever country you're in, everybody's going to use the same plug. It's not that hard. But yet we have how many different types of USBs? The, you know, Apple, the only reason Apple is switching over to USB-C is because Europe said you have to. The, there very much is the fear that that's the scenario we end up in. We'll hope that it, we'll all jump in line, but we're not going to hold our breath. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. 
General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net, or send us a text, 225-255-0431. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.